everyone, welcome to C-Cubed Cantilevers, Contracts, and Current Events. This is where we talk about the news of the week and some other interesting things, as well as our professions. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I am with my husband, Alex. Hi. So, since I basically gave you the question last week, I think it's only fair for you to give me the answer to the question this week. I mean, I'll give you the answer in a fashion. <laughs> Listeners, I I think that teaching people about architecture is more important than these quizzes, and that's why I gave the answer to Alex last week without even knowing it. It's just like in my soul. To I just want to teach you about this wonderful thing called architecture. Listeners, I think it's more important to win, so that's why I'm not going to give Chelsea the answer. It's not in my soul to teach at law, not to Chelsea at least, it's more important to win. I'm so glad this is recorded. (laughs) All right. give me the question. So the question this week is about the Commerce Clause, which is a clause in the United States Constitution. Mm Mm-hmm. And that clause reads, the Congress shall have power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you some options that you can choose from as to what is and is not within Congress's power to regulate under the Commerce Clause. Oh, easy. Okay. I got this one. Okay, great. I'm happy. That's good. <laughs> so you give you an easy one. But yes, so it'll be about Great. what is, I'll give you options of, okay. of things, types of transactions that are within Congress's power to regulate under the Commerce Clause and things that are not. Or maybe they are. Maybe they all are. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe none of them are. No, no, that's I guess we'll, oh, it is okay. how this works. So uh, that'll be at the end of the show. Okay. I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. It's not. He is the president of the United no. States. Not exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> but <laughs> the debates from last night. We watched the first one on Tuesday night. Well, you did. I was in class. So you're going to have to give us a rundown, maybe. Sure. I can give you a rundown. You know, I've had about... 24 hours. It ended about 24 hours ago, mm-hmm. mercifully ended mm-hmm. about 24 hours ago. And mm-hmm. so I've had about that amount of time to stew on it and to sort of cool off about my opinions of it. And so I don't, I'm not going to be like hyperbolic. It was an unmitigated disaster. Oh. It was an absolute train wreck Mm -hmm. it was a national disgrace Mm -hmm. that is my 24 hours later having a chance to cool off not being able to sleep because i'm fearing for the future of the country okay but hold on let me ask you this question sure are you really surprised you know i think i am eternally surprised the crassness of the president just never quite... It, I don't think I'll ever quite get used to it. And listeners, 
those of you on the right may not think this, but I usually try and temper my criticism of the president on this on this podcast. That's probably not going to be as true here. Uh, so I apologize if if that offends your sensibilities. So I I'm not really going to go into too many details of the debate. Okay. Needless to say, I think I'd like to say what I think about the debate overall. I think this would be a good chance to say that. Okay. So, whenever people start talking about the debates between the presidential candidate and the president, it's almost like Christmas in my mind because it, you know, it happens every four years. And so, I don't know, it's kind of a special thing and before COVID... There was a lot of, like, celebration and, like, something to look forward to kind of atmosphere. Obviously, this year, not so much, maybe, but I still think it has, I don't know, it just has a special, it's just special for America because very rarely do you get these two people in the same room talking about these topics that they're so opposed to each other. And I just think it's really interesting and I kind of go into it thinking or knowing I'm probably not going to get persuaded a different way. I don't know, maybe I would if it were different candidates, but it's just an interesting time to listen, to actually listen to potential leaders of the country. And so I think it's really special, but I didn't get to watch last night and I'm kind of grateful because I didn't want my hopes and dreams to be crushed. Yeah, and they would have been um, because it was just an absolute crap show. And I'm not going to both sides this. I'm not going to say, oh, they both interrupted and uh, yada, yada, yada. It's not true. It was a complete crap show because the president made it a complete crap show. That's just the way that it is. Sorry. That's just the way that it is. It would not have been as terrible as it was if Donald Trump was not involved in the debate. So anyway, let's go into general things because I'm not going to get into too many specifics. I thought Biden was okay. I thought he was um, sort of meek. I, I don't think that he was super sharp, especially at the beginning. I thought that the president at the beginning was much sharper. I thought he had a good response on the question about the Supreme Court. Basically, he said that I'm elected for four years and not three years. I have the the right to do this. And he's right. He does. So, yeah, I thought that the president did good at the beginning. Um, and then it just completely went off the rails. Biden did seem to get a little flustered when the president interrupted him, which was nearly the entire time. Right. And, okay, so... Biden did a small portion of interrupting. It wasn't all on Trump for interruptions, but it was, I would say, 80-20. And Trump's interruptions were much worse as far as they were louder. They were obviously trying to just rattle Joe Biden. 
And so he just came off as a petulant child and a bully. Mm-hmm. After the debate, I can understand if someone says, you know, I don't feel comfortable voting for Joe Biden because he is going to be in a position where he's going to have to deal with bullying type people. And I don't know if he has the temperament to deal with those kind of people. Mm -hmm. Now, I think dealing with those type of people from a position of being the president of the United States as opposed to being a participant in a debate are two totally different things, but I can understand that rationally. What I can't understand is someone watching this immature display on the part of the president and say, yes, that's the person who I want with their finger on the nuclear codes. Mm -hmm. No, it's just I cannot understand how anyone could look watch that debate and say, yes, that should be the leader of the free world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may even just be more offensive to me because of my profession. I have a profession where I have to go before a judge Mm -hmm. and I have to make arguments. And those arguments have to be metered and they have to be logical and they have to occur when they're supposed to occur. I had Mm -hmm. a hearing yesterday that went on for two hours. And at one point... An attorney interrupted another attorney who was speaking, and the judge said, "Um, Mr. Attorney, if you cannot control yourself, I'm going to have to ask you to mute your phone, Mm. because we were doing by telephone because COVID, Mm -hmm. right? But so we have these rules in my profession. It's not a freewheeling conversation. Mm -hmm. So I sort of equate those two things. And for him to, for the president to have just the complete inability or the complete non-desire to participate in this debate by the rules that his own campaign agreed to is just, eh. And the, the thought that it's not just Americans that are watching the president make a fool of himself. It's our allies and it's our enemies that are watching. This This is the person who's in charge of our country. So I would say two things to that. One, um, the reason that these debates seem so special is because it's like, bring, bring your best, right? And bring your best gifts and talents and use them here and talk to your strengths. And that just didn't seem like it was the case here. And the second thing is that that's a strategy, right, that Trump used was to bully Biden the entire time, I think. I think that's a strategy that he was using. Um, Whether or not it was very successful, I don't think so, because I think, you know, the goal was to get Biden to lose it completely for a minute, you know, and they they didn't get that. And so was that strategy successful for that? I don't think so. And for those of you who didn't watch the debate, um, I mean, nothing was said that you wouldn't expect them to say president made a weird remark about the Proud Boys, who's a, oh gosh, a yeah. chauvinist 
Uh, they're not really, they're, the Proud Boys are not technically a white supremacist group. What they are is they are much more traditional, much more traditionally fascist, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, they're basically just a, a group that is getting together for the excuse of getting into street fights. That's what, that's what the Proud Boys are. Um, and they love the president and they took his instruction and they ran with it. Mm-hmm. They posted, standing by, sir. Yeah, um, yeah so, their entire logo is stand by. What, what was it? Stand, stand back by. and stand by. Stand back and stand by. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that Which was... Which basically means be prepared. Yeah. Get ready. Yeah, exactly. For November. <laughs> so, I mean, besides that strange thing... There wasn't anything all that unusual, and like you said, I'm not super surprised, mm-hmm. but, or at least I shouldn't be super surprised because of the way the president acts on a daily basis. Yeah. But it just amazes me that he is the person who is leading the country. And the last thing, one of the last talking points that I've seen today is that the moderator Chris Wallace was biased and he made it a two-on-one debate complete nonsense Chris Wallace did the best that he could with what he had which was one person who was generally following the rules of the debate and one person who was just sowing complete chaos and not following any of the rules of the debate and so of course he is going to have to get onto the president more often then he is going to have to get on to Joe Biden. The The thought that he, the fact that he is um, having to break norms and tell the president to basically be quiet because the president stops won't stop breaking norms himself is just completely ridiculous. Yeah. And I would just say this one thing to that. These debates are awkward, right? It's already an interesting situation you're facing your opponent you're talking about very hot topics that are very complicated and you have very short amount of time and so if you've seen any of the other debates interrupting happens right it's not unusual for the two sides to interrupt each other and that's the same that's also the same thing for the vice president debates. Mm-hmm. Some It's something to expect, right? And so I would say that to it, but I would also add that this was just at a whole nother level, and there was very little respect, I think, in the sense that there's a time to interrupt, and then there's a time to allow your opponent that space to talk. I will also say this, whenever Trump interrupted Biden, which was every single time, Biden, instead of answering the question that was given to him, he would respond to Trump. And so it would have looked better, it would have been better if Biden just answered the question and ignored Trump. But I'm sure that was very difficult. That would have been very difficult to do. I agree, you know, and that's one of the things Biden seemed to be easily distracted. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said that if someone came away from the debate and said, well, I don't know if Biden's strong enough to hold this position, 
I could understand that reasonably. Yeah. I will say one other thing. You know, I thought Biden, again, I thought he had an okay debate. I mm-hmm. didn't think it was great. Um, I think it was just fine, just like the rest of his debates have just sort of been fine. I, I obviously thought Trump's debate was an abomination. But I will say this. I think that if... Joe Biden was debating a normal politician, I think he would have done better, and I think he would have lost, as opposed to... That didn't make sense. No, it makes total sense. Who would have done better? I think Joe Biden would have... I think if Joe Biden was debating a normal politician, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden would have done better, Mm -hmm. and Joe Biden would have lost. Mm Mm-hmm. As opposed to in this oh, debate, yeah. where he's debating Donald Trump, where he did worse, and in my opinion, he won. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, just a weird debate. I, I mean, I, again, I don't know how to say this. The president should be ashamed of himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how else to, to say it. He should. It was completely embarrassing. Yeah, and scrolling on Instagram, you know, after a debate is just kind of annoying, but... There are other countries that are chiming in on this and saying, I feel sorry for America. All of a sudden, America seems quite vulnerable. Things like this. Um, Something that I think we should pay attention to is other countries talking about our country. I think it's an important thing for our health um, as a country. And so... Those are just some interesting things that I think we need to pay attention to. Or at least the other big news topic that I'm going to talk about is uh, Trump's tax returns that the New York Times released uh, after obtaining them in somewhat, uh, I mean, probably illegal fashion. I mean, not illegal for them as a news agency. They can give these leaks. There's no crime about disseminating these things now the person who leaked them may very well be in violation of of some law but so yeah. there there are some things right the, the one of the big headlines was that the president only paid $750 in taxes for 2017-2018 i you know I think that's a maybe a commentary on the tax system, but unless there has been some there's some proof that he somehow lied on his taxes. I mean, if that's just good accounting, then what can you really say? That that's to me the least interesting part. It may be the big like, oh, you know, this waitress pays more in taxes than the president does. I mean, that's a a nice headline, but to me, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think to make it a little personal, we know of people who are like, yeah, I've paid more taxes than the president has in the past five years. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, you have, because you haven't lost billions of dollars. Yeah. And so that rolls right into what, the three things that I think that these tax returns really illuminate or at least reinforce, the president sold himself as a good businessman, right? A great deal maker. And it's just clear that he's not. He's just not. 
I mean, he got a huge inheritance, millions and millions of dollars from his father, and it looks like he squandered it because in the early 2000s, he is not doing great. He's losing a bunch of money, and then he gets the job on The Apprentice, right, and sells himself as a great businessman on there, and the royalties from The Apprentice give him like $400 million, and then after he gets that quote unquote like basically second inheritance, mm-hmm. he then starts losing a bunch of money again. He's mm-hmm. just not a good businessman. If you look at his uh, his financial history, he's has multiple bankruptcies. You know, oh, he'll argue, oh well, the the laws allow me to do that. Listen, I I most businessmen don't have bankruptcies, a bunch of bankruptcies. It's just nonsense that he's a good businessman. It's it's just not true. So that's the first thing that the taxes illuminate. The second thing that illuminates is that he's got, he has these properties, and this isn't a huge surprise either. He has these properties in Turkey and in the Philippines where he is where his companies are basically beholden to the rulers of those countries. So he has an option here. He can either deal well as the president of the United States with those countries that are bad actors on the world stage, or he can punish them. But if he punishes them, then that puts him in a bad position, right? Because that could force him to lose money. Because I think it's like four million in Turkey and one million in the Phil- in the Philippines that he has invested, and so he still has financial incentive to be kind to these not very good countries. And I don't know if that's something that we want in a president is for him to be beholden to these countries that we know are do not have our best interests in mind, don't have the best interests of their people in mind. Mm-hmm. And instead of having free reign to call a spade a spade, he has to worry about, well, I don't want to piss him off because if I say something bad, he could revoke my the the lease to my building there in wherever it is in the Philippines and wherever it is wherever it is in Turkey. And the third thing is is that it looks like the taxes have uncovered about four hundred million or so in personal debts for the president. A, that's a lot of money, I think, for anyone to have in personal debts. But the more important thing is is that we don't know who holds those debts. We don't know if they're foreign actors who hold those debts. We don't know if they're people here in the United States who hold those debts. It's likely a mixture of the two, right? But if someone is applying for the CIA or for the FBI or for one of these national security organizations and they're asked, do you have large amounts of foreign debt that is viewed as a national security risk? And so I think it is... I think it is totally within the interest of the American people to know where these debts are and who know who who holds these debts. I don't think it's okay at all for us not to know where those debts are because we don't know who the president is beholden to and who is holding $400 billion, which is, I mean, quite possibly more than he actually has in his, like, over him. So... I think those are really the those three the 
the fact that it's just became more clear that he's not a good businessman the fact that he's beholden to foreign dictators and that he has 400 million dollars in debt out there i think those are the far more interesting uh revelations from the taxes than the fact that he only paid 750 dollars in taxes a couple years i have a covid update for new mexico this is based off of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham and her social media page. I follow her on okay. Instagram. Yeah. Um, so she posts pretty religiously every week um, about overalls and how we're doing. And this week didn't look great, according to her. We've had 281 new COVID cases just today in one day which is pretty high for New Mexico. There for a while, we weren't exceeding, you know, 80 cases a day. Yeah. Um, and I think even less than that. So today to have 280 plus, that's pretty high for New Mexico. Yeah. So in total, we have 29,435 cases statewide as of today. Two additional deaths, which bring us to 877 deaths statewide okay and 85 individuals that are currently hospitalized with COVID-19 so that brings us up to a 4.67 percent daily positive rate which is still not the worst no it's not but compared to how we were doing last week even it's worse than that so keep wearing your masks wash your hands I would love to go to a pick your pumpkin patch. <laughs> yeah, fun with that. I would love to be able to do that. And all you people who want to go to the haunted mazes, not me. Mostly because those things terrify me. <laughs> but if you want to do that, then we got to keep working. The interesting milestone for me, at least here in New Mexico to give people something that they can sort of relate these numbers to will be a thousand deaths or let's see a thousand twenty three deaths that is the number of people from New Mexico who died in World War two okay a thousand and twenty three yeah a thousand twenty three okay is the number of people that died in World War two from New Mexico and it's just sort of a, it'd be another milestone of like, well, okay, so it's been worse for the state than World War II has. Yeah. And maybe not exactly right. Those usually were young men as mm-hmm. opposed to people normally with pre-existing conditions, but still mm-hmm. interesting. People that would most likely still be here if it wasn't for mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. So. so, Chelsea, you have a light item for us? Yeah. So, have you heard of the home edit on Netflix? I have no idea what that is. Have you been living under a rock? No, I am an attorney, so I am super busy, and yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I have been watching this the past week or so. I think it just came out. Okay. And let me tell you, I am slowly but surely reorganizing our entire house. That's fine. Because... It's a really it's a really interesting show to watch. These two women 
I don't know if they co-own the business or how that dynamic works, but they're like the main people of the show and then they have, you know, people who help them, workers, uh, with them. But these two women, Joanna and Clea, basically get hired to go into people's homes and a lot of times it's famous people, like Reese Witherspoon. I mean, they all look like famous people to me. There are some people who are normal. Okay. Or not famous. (laughs) Like, there was a doctor on the show who her friends got the home edit to go to her house and organize her closet, and it's just, like, amazing to me, because it's like a science. They kind of, like, look at it, like, kind of like a science. They have these different categories, Mm -hmm. these different organizational skills that is just, like, at a whole nother level that I have never experienced before, and... I mean, they really help people. Like, this last show that I watched, they help organize an entire after-school program. And, oh my gosh, there was so much stuff. I mean, that they the kids use on a daily basis. But they've reorganized it, repurposed some things, used clear bins, you know, different things like this. And they use what's called the rainbow system, where... If there are things like books that are different colors, especially for kids, they'll do a rainbow system, and I don't know what colors they start with and end with. I think maybe they start with white and end with black sometimes, um, but they go through the rainbow, and that's how they organize books. And what a great way to organize books for kids. Yeah. Because they can go, oh yeah, you know that blue book, you know, that's that's what kids are learning in those stages is colors, colors, colors. So it's fascinating to me. And I have online classes that sometimes I can just listen to. (laughs) And so while I am listening diligently to my class, I am also reorganizing our entire closet. (laughs) (laughs) And it feels great. Good. And then later that day, I go back up to look at it. Okay. And just bask in all of its glory. (laughs) So, yeah, check it out if you get the chance. Super interesting. The only thing that I would say that, like, you have to get used to is they get get very excited. And you know how girls are when they get excited? They start to, like, kind of yell and scream. Yeah. So you have to get used to that. The first couple episodes, I was like, oh, no, we got to turn that down. (laughs) But you turn it down, you put subtitles on, you're good to go. That's good. I'm glad you're finally learning to throw things away. Okay. I know. I need to organize my room as well. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at the wall of hats as we speak. It's a good wall, the wall of hats. Anyway, let's move on back to (laughs) the uh, law question of the week. Ah, yes. Commerce. Yes, so it is the Commerce Clause. Mm-hmm. I will reread the text of the Commerce Clause to you to refresh okay. your mind. Okay. The Congress shall have power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to g- read you four options. Okay. And any of these could be examples of a situation where Congress has power to regulate commerce. Any of them could be, all of them could be, none of them could be. So I have to guess for all four? Yeah, you've got to say, 
yes that one no that one yes oh that one gosh. or or a and b but not c oh my gosh okay. all right bring it on so the options are toyota manufacturing cars in japan and then selling them in the united states ford manufacturing vehicles in the united states and selling them here in the united states an artist selling pieces of art within his own state a farmer growing corn that he uses only to feed his own pigs or a criminal selling illegal drugs that's five that's five sorry yeah so there are five wow okay so wait so what is the question the question is based on the text of this clause in the constitution yeah and that is the congress shall have power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the indian tribes which is not helpful at all okay Listen, you're yeah. stepping into the seat of a Supreme Court justice. What's the question? So the question is, which of these five mm -hmm. it would be within Congress's power to regulate? Ah, okay. So when Toyota manufactures vehicles in Japan and then, mm -hmm. and then ships them to the United States to mm -hmm. sell here in the States, mm -hmm. does Congress have the power to regulate that? Yes. Does, okay. Okay. Does Congress have the power to regulate Ford manufacturing vehicles in Michigan and then selling them in the United States? I feel like that's tricky. And I want to say no. Okay. Okay. What about an artist selling pieces of art only within his state? Can they regulate that? Yes. No, I don't think so. Okay. What about a farmer growing mm. corn? Yes, they can. That uh, he is only going to use to feed his own pigs. If his, you know, only form of income is to be a farmer, I, I feel there's so much more that goes into these, but yes, they can. Okay. And the last one is a, oh, crim right. a criminal Gross. selling illegal drugs. Can, oh, can they regulate it? Under the Commerce Clause, can Congress regulate? No. All right, so oh, we Congress. had... <laughs> okay, so we had a yes to Toyota selling cars that they yeah. ship from Japan. Yeah. A no to Ford selling cars that yeah. they manufacture. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we had an artist selling... Art in the state. In the state. Was that a yes? It was a no. Okay, I was an oh, that's right, it's a no. A farmer growing corn. I yes. Mean, okay, it's not a big farmer. That's all he does. It's just he's got some pigs and he just grows corn. So that's yes. And then a criminal selling illegal drugs. No. Okay. So it was a yes to all of these. Oh. Congress, their, okay. their commerce power is pretty much unlimited as... Okay as interpreted by the U.S. Constitution. Okay. It was really determined to be unlimited in... Let me find the case. I can't remember the case. I know it happened in the 1930s. So, okay, I have questions well, then. Before you, before you ask your questions, I have to find the case. So probably the most famous case 
for the Commerce Clause, or one of the most famous cases, was called Wicard v. Filburn. The court found that Congress could apply national quotas to wheat grown on one's own land and for one's own consumption. Basically, by producing your own wheat, you are affecting the commerce of all states because you are not buying wheat from somebody else. Right. So I got that one right. You did. Yeah. Okay. So can we move on to the ones I didn't get right? Sure. Okay. So how how do they regulate the selling and distributing of criminalized drugs? Ah. Because it's criminalized, so it should just be that they don't. So I agree with you, but the Supreme Court doesn't. So in Gonzalez v. Raich, so this case was decided in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, is a case about... Uh, California's medical marijuana law. The United States Congress passed a law basically saying that marijuana was illegal, and California passed a law saying that it could be used for medicinal purposes. So there's an interplay or conflict between these two laws. So the question came for the Supreme Court, which of these two is correct? is, Is marijuana illegal, or can it be used for... Uh, medical purposes. So the court basically said that because medical marijuana pulls from the illicit marijuana trade, just as homegrown wheat pulls from the wheat trade, homegrown weed pulls from the illicit weed trade that is within the Congress's power to regulate. Hmm. Okay. And, and that applies to all illegal drugs? I, I think it would. Because now this is sort of a, a, a slightly different or a slightly specialized because it has to do with medical marijuana, mm-hmm. right? So maybe I should couch that a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it, if if they wanted it to, and I, so Justice Thomas is not a huge fan of Commerce Clause jurisprudence, right? He basically says you can use this to regulate anything, anything. Yeah. Obviously, if you can use it to regulate the wheat you grow in your backyard and consume in your own house, you can use this to regulate anything. And so I happen to agree with him. I think the jurisprudence is far too expansive. Mm. But yeah, it can be pretty much anything that you can think of. It could be used to to regulate that. Hmm. Interesting. How is the artist in the same state something that commerce can regulate? I mean, because they can regulate a a person selling things because it affects the interstate sale of art. If you're buying art locally, you're not how, buying art. How do they regulate that? Oh, I don't know if they do currently regulate it. Ah, I see. But I think that they could if they wanted to. So, yeah, I mean, just about anything, Congress has the ability to regulate because of the Commerce Clause. Any sales or anything growing or anything. Yeah, anything that comes here that is for sale or anything that is for sale here. Or anything that you could buy. Yeah, that's... Not just just things that you do buy, Mm -hmm. but anything that you could buy. Mm -hmm. So, again, you grow your own wheat. Yeah, they can... Because you're not buying that from somewhere else, they can regulate that. You weave your own baskets. You're affecting commerce by not buying baskets in other places so we can regulate your your uh, basket making 
So can they regulate? Sounds very similar to the regulation of buying tea. From where? Like from Britain. Okay. Well, <laughs> the issue with that was no taxation without representation. Yeah, we have representation. Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. tax away, oh yeah. taxers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Now that you've heard that unfair question and answer portion thank you for listening to us give us some feedback and subscribe if you liked what you heard we also have an email that you can send questions let us know how you do in the quizzes or anything else you find that we would find interesting your opinions your thoughts send them our way we'll see you next time bye